seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. He's won now with the Miami Heat, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Los Angeles Lakers. As has his teammate Danny Green, also his third championship with three different teams. And Rajon Rondo winning his second NBA title. The Celtics in 08, the Lakers in 2020. Of course, the finals MVP trophy, as you just said, is named after Bill Russell, who has been with us every year for the finals, but of course couldn't be in the bubble this year. But I know he's watching at home. And I have a feeling that this finals MVP is going to have a trophy named after him one day. The finals MVP is LeBron James. We just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. What's up, everybody? It's Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He's Donovan Bennett. The NBA has come to a close. They have done the thing that some thought was impossible and others always believed was going to happen, which was they were going to get this in, they were going to have a bubble, and we were going to crown an NBA champion. And first of all, kudos to the NBA for getting it done because there were certainly moments where we didn't think it was going to happen. But also, I think this is actually the right place to start, Donovan, which is, man, kudos to LeBron James too, that this always felt like his year. It, it felt like his year from when they traded for Anthony Davis it felt like his year with the numbers that he put up in the regular season, the Lakers finishing first overall, the first game of the year starting with Washed King and then transforming into the player that he was all season long. But not only just the burden that LeBron has always taken and has continued to take in the bubble with the way that he approaches social justice reform, but also the fact that we don't have bubble basketball without LeBron James. Like None of this happens if not for LeBron being a proactive guy who at the 11th hour when things were looking more uncertain than ever before, jumped on a call with all the best players in the league, I think minus James Harden, um, and asked them what, how they wanted to approach this and why they should return to play. And we talked about this at nauseum, the idea of even guys like Patrick Beverly saying, what he does, we follow, or where he goes, we follow. And LeBron makes the bubble and he wins in the bubble. It, it just it felt appropriate for me. Yeah, I mean, so everyone is for the thousandth time doing the, uh, you know, LeBron, Mount Rushmore, LeBron versus Jordan comparison. Who's the greatest? Who's the better mm -hmm. player? Um, who, who has the better resume? Which are all different uh, conversations. Sure. They all kind of thro are thrown into one. I don't think there's a question who the most powerful player in NBA history is. I, I think LeBron at the peak of his powers has been more powerful uh, than even Michael Jordan. So it, it, this is like small in comparison to the things that you talked about. But I don't know if you noticed watching the post game and there's the interviews and Rachel Nichols is doing her thing and you know Adam Silver is socially distancing, giving away the sure. trophy like he's not even touching it. Um, and you know, the Lakers are about to run off the court and then they're get, they get called back by some NBA officials to take the team photo and get the photo ops and all that. And then, you know, ESPN, ABC is going to break. And the last shot is like LeBron, like orchestrating the photo, like talking to the NBA officials. Okay. You over here. Okay. Yo, you, uh, you're going to sit right there. Like he's lit. He's literally talking to them as if they're like, co-workers these people who are running the, 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 the ceremony and then talking to his teammates as if oh i'm managing down to my teammates yeah no uh kuzma you sit right there this is how i want the photo you should have told to, kuzma to sit right there for more of that finals in my opinion wow <laughs> i'm not actually saying he said that to kuzma i said that I theoretically but teasing. but it was instructive because like yes adam silver is not his boss adam mm -hmm. silver is his partner yeah, Adam Silver in his remarks thanked LeBron James, and LeBron James in his remark thanked Adam Silver. LeBron James, like 
bigged up Rob Polinka, and Rob Polinka was in the back, like nodding his head, like, yeah, thanks, appreciate the mention. Like, that's what it is to the fact where, like, LeBron's congratulating Jeannie Buss, not Jeannie Buss congratulating LeBron. So I, I, don't, I don't think um, it can be overstated. I think we probably underappreciate the level of impact on not just that team, um, not, not just the league, but in what is fastly becoming one of the most popular sports in the world, the most influential person in it is LeBron James. Yeah, I can't speak to the MJ thing as much because I wasn't an adult in those times. I certainly read books about Michael Jordan and his influence globally and just his, his impact on the culture, I think, was greater than what LeBron's is. Um, I think that LeBron is willing to take on different things than Michael Jordan. And, and I want to get to that Genie Buss stuff and the Adam Silver stuff because I, I think that there's an interesting pathway into the mindset of LeBron James with the, that post-game speech and the way that he handled himself in the bubble relating to LeBron and to, Co- or sorry, to, to Michael and to Kobe. But this finals does nothing for me in terms of changing the GOAT debate. And I know it is the easy line to draw. It's the one that everyone wants to do. I'm just going to share my thought on it and I want to hear yours, but that I don't think that these rings or these championships change anything. I think you are who you are. Like you either were our age and you think it could be LeBron James. You're either 15 years older than us. You think it's LeBron. You're 30 years older than us. You think it's Kareem. You know, it's just, it, it's so age dependent. You're 50 years older than us. Do you think it's Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain? Like that there's a few groups of guys that it, it basically is to different people and that the LeBron James case is sealed even before he wins the fourth ring. Like even if he wins six, I don't think it moves people off of the way Jordan won his six versus the way uh, LeBron won his six. To me, he's the greatest player in my adult life. And I doubt we'll see anyone as great as him for a really long time. There are things outside of basketball that matter more with LeBron James than they did with Michael Jordan you, you hit on a lot of them, but like, I didn't sit there after the championship and go, wow, LeBron four finals MVPs. Like now he's pulled into second. This, this is it. He did it. He won a championship, the bubble championship. He's passed Michael Jordan. He's definitely number two now. Like I just, I think LeBron's greatness has already been solidified. And while we're going to have these counting numbers and we're going to end up with a resume that you look at, and it's just going to be overwhelming, right? Like he's going to finish with tops in every statistical category from playoffs to regular season. They're all going to be there for LeBron and he could have five rings. Like who's writing him off to win another championship next year. But to me, this just didn't move the needle in terms of how I see the Michael Jordan LeBron debate. Did it move it at all for you? Um, I mean, I don't know if it moved it. It's he, he certainly added to his resume. Yeah, there's no doubt. But he won but the finals no, and won the MVP. I, I struggle. And I've written about this. I've struggled to even weigh in on this debate because much like the debates in our politics, like people are debating different things at the same time. Like you're, 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 you have different examples of, of facts mm-hmm. that you're trying to debate. And so the, the whole argument gets conflated and that's people to your point from different generations on different side of a room screaming at each other. And so to the Jordan people, at one point, it was, well, he doesn't have that killer instinct. He's not a closer. And then, like, well, now LeBron has more clutch shots than anybody. Well, you know what? He had to go to Miami. He needed help. Jordan never needed help. Well, I mean, I think the rebuild job in Cleveland was much more difficult than anything Jordan did, quite frankly. And this Lakers team, outside of Anthony Davis, not that good. Would lose to probably mm, I want to every- get to that. Every other championship team LeBron had. And so at the age of 35 in his 17th year, when the, when the NBA is super, super competitive, this Lakers team is not that good outside of Anthony Davis, who's very good. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I, I don't think if you're, if you're penalizing LeBron for having too much help, he, he didn't have more help on this team than, than Jordan had on his championship teams. And then there's, and then there's, so, so those arguments, I mean, you don't agree with one of them evidently, but those arguments are, are slowly fading. And now it's just the one, the barbershop one that we all hear. How many ranks? Six championships, yeah. never a game seven. 
six finals MVP. And you were never, we're never, we're never, you're never going to change that. But the question is, well, let's reverse engineer that. So is it better to lose in the conference finals and be undefeated in the finals than get to a final and lose? And in all but, I would argue, one of those finals, the, the one against the Mavericks in 2011, I believe, like the ones that he lost, we expected him to lose. He was an underdog. And for the most part, when he was a favorite outside of 2011, he took care of business when he was a favorite. In fact, him beating the the, the Warriors down 3-1, we need to give him extra points for winning that one. So maybe he breaks even. He won one that he probably shouldn't have. He lost one he probably shouldn't have. So, uh, and, and to be quite honest, the ones that he lost to the Warriors and Kevin Durant, like, how many teams in the history of the sport would have beat that team? I think that Warriors team is the best team ever. So I, yeah. I agree. Uh, and they were the only team to take a game off them mm-hmm. So um, in the playoffs. So I, I agree that you're not going to get people to agree on like this one unanimous mm-hmm. goat because they're arguing entirely different things. For everyone who says LeBron would beat MJ one-on-one, I mean, yeah, probably. But like, I don't think so. Uh, but 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 Andre DeGrasse would beat beat Jesse Owens in a race. Is I Andre think that Michael than, Jordan a better sprinter than Jesse Owens. <laughs> I think Michael Jordan would slash LeBron James' Achilles before he let him beat him in one on one. Like I genuinely think he would do something so dirty that we wouldn't even uh, you wouldn't even be able to put it together. I I think you're right though. You hit all the hallmarks of the LeBron debate, and like of course we've done this a million times, and that's why I don't even want to do it that much longer i just think that you are being insincere at this point if you don't at least acknowledge that they are on the same level that they are together on the mount rushmore of greatest basketball players ever and that if you have a personal hold on hold on hold on hold on and i agree hold on but there were and i think this is what changes really there were people who said jordan He's not better than Kobe yet. He's not better than Magic yet. Excuse me. Like, can I get some love for Kareem? There were those people who were like, yeah. better than Jordan. He's yeah. Paul Pierce. He might not even be my top five. So I think those conversations are now disingenuous. But those were always disingenuous, right? Like, that's what I mean. They were the product of media hot takery, something that I think you and I both uh, have a, an aversion to in this business that, and something we try to avoid, which is just the standard boilerplate. Okay. Uh, you take this side of the LeBron thing today. We're going to talk about LeBron's greatness. And then for, in order to get clicks, Donovan Bennett's like, I'm not sure he's better than Paul, Paul Pierce beat him in a play. Like, come on. He was outplayed by Rajon Rondo. All those things are asinine. They're ridiculous. LeBron James is amazing. I thought that it was very appropriate that Adam Silver said that they were handing him an award to a guy that someday will have an award named after him. And that's the greatness of LeBron James is that on the pantheon of all time greats, he is among them. He is right there with Michael Jordan. These debates will continue forever. They will always be fun fodder for, you know, uh, a friend in a bar or getting in the back of a cab and talking with the driver as a way to just, you know, shoot it as you wait to get to, to point B. Like, they're going to be an icebreaker for you in a conversation with a friend who you like. And then probably 20 years from now, you know, when your son is uh, starting to get uh, older, he's in university and, you know, you're getting a little, some more grays. And he has a guy that he loves. Who knows? Maybe it's Zion. And he's debating with you about the greatness of his player versus yours. I just think that's part of the fun of sports. But uh, the thing that you mentioned about the podium, I want to get into that because LeBron has a history of borrowing things from certain places and from certain people, right? Like that's part of his basketball genius. You keep hearing him say, keep the main thing, the main thing, right? That's a Pat Riley thing. He borrowed that from the heat culture. And I think the passing of Kobe Bryant and the Michael Jordan documentary coming out in the same year as LeBron James chasing a fourth ring and understanding that this was going to be his best shot at winning another championship, that they changed LeBron a little bit. And I noticed a a more F you LeBron, like a more, all of a sudden he's talking about, I want my respect and he's mad about not getting MVP awards and He's doing the like Patriots thing where everybody believed in you, but now you're acting like nobody believed in you. And I think that he's borrowed that from those two guys and that those, the confluence of those two events have changed who LeBron is, at least publicly moving forward. I don't know. He's okay to be disliked a little bit more. I think. I I mean, I, I kind of feel like he was that way when he 
went to Miami and decided all of a sudden he was a villain instead of the no, guy. No, but he who, was devastated by that. He hated that. That's what I, I genuinely believe that's what hurt them so much that first year was being hated, that he was surprised at the vitriol that came his way, and he had never seen that before. I, I don't think he's any more upset that Giannis got the MVP over him now than he was when Steph Curry got an MVP over but him. But he's public about it. Over him. But he's public about it. Like... There are now theatrics to LeBron James where I, I feel like he's almost trying to prove to people or show a little bit more that he cares and that, you know, you mentioned the killer instinct thing that, well, LeBron never had the killer instinct. I think that that's part of when he says, I want my respect, that that's the thing he's looking for is that, you know, he comes out in that game, that game six, and he just bullies everyone for the first half and he just gets the rim and he just crushes Miami's will. He just ends it right there. He's like, Jimmy Butler, that's cute. It's over now. I'm getting to the basket. I'm going to crush everybody. And I'm going to have a bit of a sneer to my game. I just think he's more comfortable in his own shoes, that he's, he's okay and accepting a little bit that there will be more haters. There will be the doubt. There will be all of that stuff that comes with him, that he doesn't need to be universally loved and universally liked in a way that I think he used to need. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm not in his head. I just, I, I, I feel, felt like he's been in that, stance for a while i mean he got off the plane after beating the warriors with an ultimate warrior t-shirt i mean he, he kind of this is what it is i the the, the thing to me that, that uh i really I, you know there's there's words within words that i heard in the podium um is when he said you know i just want to be available for my teammates i've never and lebron does this better than anybody he'll he'll tell you his own stats I've never mm-hmm. missed a playoff game in my NBA career. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a very big stat. Uh, and, you know, it's, I want to be available uh, to my teammates. And that's, you know, you went on about how that's, you know, a talent and be able to do that. Um, you know who has missed a playoff game in their career? I mean, Kevin Durant has, Steph Curry has. But you know who most recently missed playoff games? Giannis. And I think that statement was entirely about, not Giannis, but people who felt like, okay, you gave him the regular season MVP, and I'm just going to do what I do and get the MVP that matters, the finals MVP. I didn't even get to see him in the finals. But anyone who wants to put an asterisk beside this, because the Milwaukee Bucks weren't there, and Giannis wasn't there, and Giannis wasn't there, and the Bucks weren't there because Giannis wasn't healthy, well, part of my greatness is that I stay healthy. So, so don't take any credit away from me about the fact that I wasn't pushed by this guy who you've crowned the last two years as the regular season MVP because I made it to the finish line. I made it to the end of this marathon, and I'm still standing. Jimmy Butler, who's like a decade younger than me and, and, but built the same way, is limping off a podium. I'm here. I'm still standing. So I, I, I took that to be like a subliminal, not-so-subliminal shot too. Don't, don't take any way, anything away from me. I want my damn respect. Yeah, I, I didn't go through Giannis to get here, but I'm, I'm still standing, and he's not. Well, here's the thing. He has regained the belt of definitely the guy that you want in a must-win game. He grabbed it back from Kawhi. He grabbed it from Giannis. And I always think about, and maybe this is a little unfair to Giannis, and he did get hurt, and that Bucks team fell apart a little bit, and the pandemic ruined their momentum, all this different stuff. You can make all these different excuses for them if you want. The Lakers faced a lot of the similar challenges, but have you seen that meme where it's like LeBron and Giannis are cartoons and they're in a race and Giannis runs around the corner and he touches the MVP trophy and he's like, I won. And then he's looking around for LeBron and LeBron's not there. Cause he's still going up the mountain to the greatest of all time. Like he's, he's going up the mountain to a goat. And, and I do think about that with LeBron that we do this all the time. And we've been doing this for the last couple of years. Like who's the actual best player in the NBA. And especially last year when LeBron didn't make it, well, you know, is he the washed king? Is, it, is Kawhi the guy you'd want in a game? He brings you the better defense, and he's got the shot-making ability, and Giannis is so powerful, and blah, 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 blah. LeBron regained the title of, I'm the best guy in a must-win game. There's nobody else that you would rather have. That I'm on the floor at the same time with Anthony Davis, and yes, that helps me win, but it's also conclusive in this finals of who the alpha still is in the room with the two of us. Yeah, he's the guy you want in those games, as you mentioned. 17-2. and two. In the last 19 uh, games in the playoffs, with a, with a chance to clinch four and one in the finals, and that one loss being, um, you know, in this in this series, uh, four and one in the finals in that 19 game stretch, and he 
And what did he have in that game where he didn't clinch? He had 40 points and like 13 rebounds and seven assists. Like that was not a fault of his own if, if they lose that game. It required Jimmy Butler having a truly all-time playoff performance, Duncan Robinson getting unconscious from three, and they won on a pair of free throws at the very end of the game and an all-time choke job like combination of events from Danny Green and Morris where Morris just throws it out of bounds. Like, that's what it took for LeBron to lose a game-clinching game, just so everyone knows. Yeah, and he he was put in that position because, I mean, I'd say 1A, 1B, the best teammate he's ever had. Like, it's either 2011 Wade or AD. Mm-hmm. I think it's AD. Yeah. But it's simply that's, because... That's toss-up. It, it's simply because... When LeBron came to the Heat, there was still a debate as to who the guy was. And I really believe still that that's why they lost that title to the Mavericks, is that LeBron still didn't fully grasp where he was on the hierarchy of the team, that it was like a shared responsibility between him and Wade as the team's best player, even though he was the best player. And But that speaks to how good Wade was. I know it, it does. Was, uh, somewhat but, even close. But it was a miscalculation, though. That's the thing. It was a miscalculation. The beauty of this Lakers team is that from the very beginning, Anthony Davis knew he was the number two. And he was comfortable with being the number two. And I think that he actually was kind of overplaying it at the end with how comfortable he is with it, that his legacy as of right now is as LeBron's best or second best sidekick. That, that's, that's a reality that Davis has to live with. He just seems, anyways, on the surface, a lot more comfortable than Kevin Durant did after Kevin Durant won his titles. And granted, KD was, to me, the obvious best player on the Warriors, but that he still remained the quote-unquote sidekick to Steph Curry and that he, he wasn't given the respect that he got. It bothered him and ate him up in a way that he had to leave Golden State eventually, and it just it seemed to completely taint his career. AD, I don't think, is that way. I think that he knows that eventually he'll get the car keys but that, yeah, man, he toiled in crap for a long time as the team's best player with some reasonable talent around him. He plays with LeBron and unlocks a completely different element of his game. He's there for Taco Tuesdays. He's in the bubble accepting that he doesn't win MVP. He doesn't seem to be pissed off about it. Like, Davis played great. I think he's back in the discussion of best defensive player in the NBA. I think his value is unbelievably clear. Uh, He's extremely fun to watch, minus all the antics he has with the flopping and the like every time he gets hit he's down on the ground for five minutes it drives me nuts but outside of that he's just a really enjoyable player to watch he's really good he seems comfortable as lebron's number two and i think that's part of the reason that it worked that a player of his ilk was able to put his ego aside and say when the chips are down i'm okay with when lebron like i'm okay with lebron deciding whether i'm going to be the scorer of that game and he's going to be the facilitator or whether or not I'm going to be the defensive guy and the cleanup man around the basket. And he's going to be the focal piece of getting to the bucket and scoring Let LeBron decides who I am game to game. Well, but, but I think in many ways, AD decided that series about how uh, active he was defensively, how many shots, not only did he block, but how many changed and also, you know, the willingness to, to try and guard Jimmy Butler. And, and, And to me, that is as much as, um, you know, we'll remember this, Lakers team for just having quite frankly the, the two best players on the floor and probably two top five players in the game this Lakers team like low-key was really really good defensively 21 and 0 when they uh didn't let up more than uh, when they when they kept the team to under 100 points and it's obviously the addition of AD makes anybody much better defensively and LeBron actually trying this season defensively makes them much better defensively but I didn't think I was ever going to say this, but shout out to Frank Vogel who got them to play uh, defense and, and, and pulled the strings pretty well and made adjustments um, mm. against a great coach in Eric Spolstra. And let's remember when Frank Vogel was hired. The day he was hired, Magic Johnson was on first take, crushing Rob Palenka, basically telling the world that the Lakers were a hot mess. We basically knew that Frank Vogel was the third choice to, to be the head As he should have Lakers. been. Ty Lue had a birthday cake with the Lakers logo on it, mm-hmm. and they weren't able to get the deal done. And all of a sudden, Frank Vogel comes out of nowhere and is the head coaching job. And many people would have been in their feelings. And a lot of people thought when Jason Kidd was put on his staff, 
when Lyle, you know, Hollins was put on the staff, it was just a matter of time until LeBron does what LeBron does and gets his head coach fired and clutch places a, a coach in that spot. And mm-hmm. Frank Vogel was like, Oh, that's cool. Like I got my contract. It's guaranteed. I got yeah, better I mean, players. <laughs> I, well, but, but, he was but, out of the but I'm, I'm saying he, he could have capitulated and, and panicked. And he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I got better players than I ever had before. I'm just going to try and do this my way. If it works great, if it doesn't work, then I got guaranteed money and, I, and I'm out of my job and no one will be surprised. And quite frankly, uh, I didn't think it was going to work, but quite frankly, it, it did work. And, um, and, and he, he, he surprised me because I was not expecting much fr- from him whatsoever. I think if there's any legacy that Frank Vogel has, it's that head coaches just, you know, they can help you if you have a special one, but ultimately they don't matter if you have generational talent. Like, I don't think Frank Vogel did anything with that team. I don't think he got them to play defense. I think the, like the, the makeup of the roster got them to play defense, that they had Anthony Davis and that they had Rajon Rondo and that they had KCP and that they had LeBron James, like that, that, that was their hallmark of the way that they were built. They were a smart veteran team with really good defense. And like, when you mentioned how, Tell that, to the, tell that to the Clippers. Yeah. The Clippers, tell that to, tell I, the Clippers play great to the defense Bucks. too. They, the Clippers did play great defense. The Bucks did play but, great defense. They, just got they were also a home like a month ago. Yeah. Like they, their generational talent was not enough is, is, is my point. But, I, but I, blame, I blame the players more than I blame Doc Rivers. Like I don't look at those situations and be like, this is all Doc Rivers' fault. Like I just don't. I think that it was Paul George's fault, the way that he carried himself. And again, the way that the, the Kawhi Leonard couldn't carry all those guys like that. They just didn't, they didn't lock in the same way as some of those veteran pieces on the Lakers staff. I don't view it as a coaching problem. I view it as a respect for the best player and knowing that LeBron James, that this type of leadership style worked well with that group of veterans, the way that he shared the love, the way that he pours uh, his feelings about other guys around him and their import. And like, it, you must feel so good playing with LeBron. Like I was talking about this today on the radio, how all of a sudden KCP, everyone's like, KCP so good. KCP's had an amazing series. And it's like, yeah, you know why? Because LeBron James gets the ball. He pushes it in transition. And then every one member of the Miami Heat has to stand in front of him. Otherwise he gets to the basket for an easy layup. And then KCP, and it wasn't just this straightforward. He had other moments too. But then KCP has to knock down a, a shot with his feet set because LeBron has attracted the entire defense. Like, that must be really fun. That must be really, really fun playing with LeBron James because you get to the big stage, you get these opportunities, and then he passes it to you. Like, you're involved. It's not playing with Kawhi Leonard where he stands with the basketball for 20 seconds and then pulls up and takes a mid-range shot, and it's over and over and over again. And by the time he passes it to you, you're like, oh, my God, it's my turn to shoot. It's one of my high-pressure moments. Like, I love Kawhi Leonard, and well, his, I mean, his not, style works He's not too. James Harden. He's not that bad. His style works too, but I'm just saying that playing with LeBron James and getting everybody involved has an effect that is Steve Nashian. And we loved gushing about how Steve Nash elevates his teammates and blah, 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 blah. But has there ever been anyone who elevates teammates the way that LeBron James does throughout his career? Like, absolutely not. Look at the teams that he had. Like, Tristan Thompson, we were like, man, you got to give Tristan Thompson $100 million. Like, there's no other discussion about it. He's just too good. Kyle Korver, he's relevant. He's playing in these games. You got to let Kyle Korver. Richard Jefferson, look at these Lakers. KCP, Rajon Rondo, Morris. Like, these guys were scrap heap dudes. And LeBron turns them into... Playoff Rondo, not, not missing a shot. KCP going down and having another game where he's impactful on offense. Morris, Dwight Howard, like it's all LeBron. It's all LeBron. You put him in any situation, and this is almost, you know, I'm glad that we're bringing this up, and I know I'm on a bit of a rant now, so I'll shut it down, but LeBron is so situationally independent in a way that no player has ever been, and I think including Michael Jordan. Like, you can drop LeBron James onto the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow, and all of a sudden we're going to be talking about how Terry Rozier has taken a step and they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, he just makes the pieces around him work. And we learned that this year with this core of, we all thought you had to surround LeBron James with shooters. Shooters, 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 that's all you got to do, surround him with shooters. And when the Lakers didn't do that, we killed them for it. And he said, no, you can just surround me with smart guys and dudes who play defense and guys that won't kill us with bad decisions. And it worked because anything works with LeBron James. 
old dudes, young dudes, whatever. He'll make it work. He's going to make it work. The only time it didn't was with that Lakers team where they all knew they were going to be traded and he was going to get Anthony Davis. And so none of them bought into his to his uh, his aura and to his leadership because they all knew they were New Orleans Pelicans bound. And it turned out to be correct. You failed to mention him once again, but you need to put some respect on Alex Caruso's name. Oh, I never will. I never will. The most overrated player in NBA history. God. I'll let everyone talk about Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso. So we've got some new things for you this NBA season. And no, it's not just Terrence Davis playing so well. We have a newsletter that will break that down and so much more. Our weekly newsletter from NBA editor Stephen Leung. It gives you original content, opinion, analysis. You can't find it anywhere else. And it is delivered directly to you right in your inbox. Sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. Just subscribe and we got you. Yeah, I mean, I think the real question now uh, is, you know, I salivate thinking about what the 2021 season, whenever it starts in, in February, March Madness uh, NBA season, is, okay, well, who can actually challenge the throne, right? You're going to have... Clippers. Uh, I mean, on, on line one is the... New Jersey Nets, Steve Nash. Don't buy culture it. setting. I listen. Neither do I. But it's yeah, going to be fascinating to watch. Zero part of me believes that we're going to see the Nets in the finals next year. Like he's coming but off the Achilles. But, but don't you want to see them in the finals? Like eh, it, no. <laughs> like I, I don't root it, for either of those guys. So no. But I. But Kyrie has taken shots at LeBron and and left him oh you want i forgot you love the drama that you love reality tv so you're well, like and, but, but also LeBron. but kevin durant me temptation you, island you NBA. mentioned it um love island kevin durant <laughs> uh you, you mentioned it you know it felt like he was going to be crowned after beating lebron and he yeah. didn't get that 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 culmination because he was crewed up at the time so now for them to be able to to, to go okay let's go nba jam two on two I went and got my guy AD. You guys crewed up together. Let's let's do this. Let's 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 play up to eleven, uh, just the two of us. Nobody else around. I, I I'm not a believer in what the Nets have done or are doing, but from a st- storyline perspective and just a vast amount of talent, like they're going to be a factor. Sure. You've got the Sixers with a new lease on life with a new coach. Writing um, them off too. <laughs> you. Unless, um, and Amin El Hassan are on Heat Island, yes. and certainly with Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo taking another step because they're still so young. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler plus you know some cap flexibility. What what could the Heat uh, look like? Maybe Giannis or uh, or Joel Embiid on that team. Um, maybe maybe uh, the the Toronto Raptors are not going anywhere anytime soon, and then. The Denver Nuggets took a massive step. Can they take another one as Michael Porter Jr. rounds into that third piece? Now the Warriors trading. have a second pick in the draft, assuming they use it. They've, they, they've got a next. They uh, why? You could couple that pick and Minnesota's pick next year, which I assume Minnesota's going to be bad again, uh, and get like a real, a real star to couple with Draymond and Clay and, and, and Steph and Wiggs. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm, Wiggs, I'm just... Wiggs is here in this scenario. Wiggs oh, is yeah, here. Yeah. They've they've Wiggs... figured out they're paying a billion dollars in luxury tax. They figured out a trade that involves them getting someone who makes no money. Canadian Ugadala, um, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh my God, that I'm is the saying. most blasphemous thing that's ever been said on this show. That's okay. Are... You're cut for that one. You're cut. No, for yeah, that you're, no, drop no. that. Drop that Va- from no. the show. Andre Godala. Somewhere, Andre Godala is just like he's not going anywhere after his flight out of Disneyland. He's coming straight to your house. He's knocking that's on your fine. door. You can come. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying there are there are multiple teams that you could talk yourself into pushing the Lakers and not even mention whatever's going to happen to the Houston Rockets and whoever's going to coach them because you shouldn't okay I'm just I'm just saying that's done now that's done now uh there's no more I'll never ever do this again I did it on free association I did it on this podcast 
when we started the bubble that I was kind of believing that Harden got into shape and blah, blah, blah. And maybe they could do it this year because of all the weird factors. Never again. I will never, ever, ever again fall for the Houston Rockets bullshit. Like never again. That is done. I will never buy a team with James Harden as the leader, as the 1A. I don't care. It's never going to happen. So wait, you don't think think a coach could change that situation? No. No. In the last six years, we've had four head coaches. Don't care. We're first-time head coaches who won a championship. You want to buy all my... Ty Lue, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel. Like you I think we've all my rocket stock because it's yours. I mean, I'll sell it to you for nothing. Like you can no. just have it. I'll just well, give I mean, it if, to you as a friend. Fine, fine, give it to me. I'll take yeah, it. Here you yeah, go. I mean, all my Houston rocket stock that I've been accumulating for the last eight years and talking myself into. No, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I actually think that next year it just comes down to the Warriors season. And I don't want to step on why we want the number two pick or why I want the number two pick to stay with the Warriors because I'm going to save that for. Uh, a draft show that we do or like a draft preview and what, what I think is going to happen. I'm sure we're going to do one of those, but I love the idea of them keeping the pick and keeping Wiggins. I actually think that it can work for them uh, if they take Wiseman, but man, uh, I just think it's yeah. Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, potentially the Bucks. I'm not going to write off the Bucks getting better and heat Celtics, Brooklyn, long shot dark horse Raptors. I know it's a Raptors podcast and people are reticent to ever write off the Raptors, but like I have a hard time seeing how they'll win an NBA championship next year. Like I, I think this was their shot that they're not going to be better next year than they were this year, that they are still going to be good, but I don't think that they'll finish with the two seed in the Eastern conference next year. Um, I don't see another massive leap for Pascal Siakam. I think that, you have pretty well close to his ceiling as of right now. I think OG is the next guy to take a step, but I don't think that the step is so big that it becomes a scenario where he's an all-star. I think he's an all-NBA defensive player, but not all-star caliber level player. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, Michael clips this and the Raptors finish first in the Eastern Conference and they look like title contenders and Siakam takes a step, all those things. But just being realistic, I think that, they will be in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference next year in a really, really tough out. Like they're a version of the Miami Heat without the optimism of the upside and without a player as dominant as Jimmy Butler can be when the chips are down. I think the really interesting thing is going to be if someone wants to join the Heat. If, if Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo look at this and say, you know what, I want to play with him. I want to play with him before it's all said and done and trade me there and make it happen. And if... Bam Adebayo would be put on the table as the, the front runner piece to get one of those two guys. Like, I, I don't know why that would be a non-starter. That Joel Embiid basically looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo being like, you want to go to Miami a year from now if things don't work out? No. I'm taking a piss and asking for a trade and I want to go play with Jimmy and Jimmy and I orchestrate it behind the scenes and trade me for Bam, and I'm going to go to the Heat, and let's do this thing. Let's let's be the 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 tandem here with another year of Tyler Hero. What do you think of that? I mean, when I think of a Pat Riley guy, Joel Embiid doesn't necessarily scream out. To but me. you could I get think- him to buy into Heat culture, and then you might have the best player in the NBA. I mean, sure, they. they- <laughs> you hate it. You hate this idea. No, I mean, I think Giannis is more. Uh, likely, they so they I. love terrifies me. They they love Bam. I mean, Riley yeah. traded people away to give Bam more playing time before Bam was Bam. Like they are yeah. all in on him. So I don't. That's why I don't see uh, that one happening. And they just love Kentucky guys in general. And and, and uh, before, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, you know why? Because Kentucky guys are good. That's the well, reason why. I'm just the, saying the the, the, the biggest. <laughs> I don't think it's a target in, in, of the program. The biggest, well, I mean, I, and I, no, I think actually their culture is somewhat aligned. But the, the biggest champion of this bubble is not even the Lakers. It's the Kentucky Wildcats. Look at Hero and Bam mm-hmm. and Rondo and AD and Jamal what Murray. Jamal Murray did, what Devin Booker did. Like, oh, the men, Devin Booker. The, I forgot about that. No, I, I listen, no, credit to Devin Booker. He won you know, a I, regular it, season fake. I mean, bubble listen. You could take any sample size and say like Kentucky guys are really good because to your point yeah. they produce a lot of good players. But yeah, uh, I would say I, I've I found it somewhat interesting that we were using this as a test case to 
the bubble is not going to be for everybody. Like there are people who are built for the bubble, people who aren't. That mentality matters. And and in the bubble, not only just played well, but thrived and got to another level where all of these Kentucky guys, even Rondo, quite frankly, um, you know, uh, turned back the hands of time and played really, really good basketball when he was uh, finally healthy. So um, shout out to Coach Calipari because your guys were winning uh, in the NBA restart. Yeah, uh, I'd be reminiscent. Uh, this is a good spot to talk about this too quickly. I know we're a little all over the map, but like if when just when you talk about that, I think Jimmy built for the bubble butler. Like he was, he, I think he's not even going to leave the bubble. They're like, hey, Jimmy, we can go home now. It's like, no, nah, it's basketball court. I know where everything is and I, I like it here. <laughs> I'm just going to stay. I'll be a little while longer. I'll see you guys in a month or two after I keep working on some some things. Maybe get uh get my conditioning up and get my my shooting stroke a little bit better i'm gonna work on those two things this off season um i i this is obvious but with all the talk about hey will we have an asterisk in the bubble and hey did lebron and the did they play a team that was banged up and what is this championship worth and all of that stuff and did they travel blah 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 versus the contingent who says well there was two months in the bubble and it was even harder because they had to be there and they were away from their friends and family for an extended period of time all that stuff i just think it all kind of washes out to a certain degree and that that all of those things are true and it's kind of easy to be impartial and not hot take and just say like yeah it was a bubble championship like there was some pros and there were some cons and uh, I don't really feel the need to put an asterisk, but it'll always be the bubble championship. Like, yeah, I guess that might be something, but be, we'll always remember it because it is the bubble championship. Like we're always going to remember the year of the pandemic. We're always going to be front mind. You're going to remember this championship more clearly than many before it. Like truly, I think that you will remember things from this series more clearly and it helps that it's later, but then some of the most memorable finals of your lifetime, like Lakers Celtics. I think I'll remember this more because of, the way the pandemic has stamped an imprint on our brain. And that's why with Jimmy Butler, this is such a legacy changing moment. Like I know I told you, I already think he's a hall of famer. I think he's absolutely no doubt about it. A hall of famer now like that. He's going to walk his way into the hall. But didn't you say he's a hall of famer if they won? I I said that he's a no doubter if they won, but nobody won like Jimmy Butler won. Like I think everyone in the league now acknowledges that if there's a list of 10 players that you could pick from, if you wanted to win a championship next year, that Jimmy Butler is on that list where he falls on that list is up for debate, but 10 guys, you want Jimmy Butler. I've never seen anyone go toe to toe with LeBron James, the way that Jimmy Butler did. And that includes the way that Kevin Durant played in the finals. Like really Jimmy Butler was phenomenal in two of their wins. And I've never felt more sure that the Heat would have pushed them and that it would have been a real series had Dragic been healthy, like they were missing their leading scorer. Bam was a shell of himself in that series. And Jimmy Butler just found a way in a couple of those games to get it done. And I I don't mean this to be glib or to be over the top. Jimmy Butler inspired me. Like I watched those games with Jimmy Butler and the way he played. And when it was all said and done, I sat there in awe. Like. I can't believe what I just watched. I, 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 this, the fortitude of this guy, the ability to just dig down and find something else in the face of all of this adversity and to just welcome the challenge and to never back down from it and to be as confident as he was despite being so overmanned, I, again, was inspired. And I don't think I will ever forget Jimmy Butler's performance, whereas I will forget the performances of all of the greatest players who have ever lived who have lost NBA finals. Like, I'm never going to think back and remember how good Dirk was when his team lost to the Heat when it was the Dwayne Wade Shaq championship. I just don't. I don't remember that. I'm not going to think of the memories of Dirk Nowitzki when that happened. I'll probably remember LeBron James when he lost a couple of his because we nitpicked them so much to death, but that's it. Like, I don't even remember the performances in the 3-1. The Cavs come back and they beat the Warriors the way that I'm going to remember the way Jimmy Butler played. Like, that is the most memorable finals appearance by a non arguably greatest of all time player that I think we will, that we've ever seen and that we will ever see. I mean, I think you think you're going to remember it because it like happened eight hours ago. Well, and it we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm saying I'm acknowledging that that is a part of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, I think we're going to remember these finals 
because they look different, right? Like we, the trophy was being handed yeah, out. Yeah, and people, people are going to say, hey, masks. dad, what was the pandemic year like to you? And you're going to say to your son, oh, what the, what's the first thing you remember about the pandemic? You'll remember all of the things, but you'll also remember the bubbles, the sports bubbles, because you work in sports. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but for me anyways, as someone who works in sports, when we ca- like catalog this, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and we're looking back on the pandemic, you're going to go, the Lakers won the championship, but Jimmy Butler was incredible. Like that's, they're going to go hand in hand. Yeah. I'd be like, son, the Rose Garden was a mess. Um, You know, Fauci didn't get enough love. Like I'll I'll probably mention that stuff first. I I, I think in terms of the bubble. (laughs) If he asks you about sports, you're going to say that? I think, I think the, I think the, I actually don't think in, in terms of asterisks, I don't think the fact that they were in a bubble or the, they had a massive layoff, I don't think it actually, well, one, the basketball was at a high level, so it didn't impact that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it actually impacted the most important thing, the outcome of who ended up winning, right? Like we didn't have a, a scenario where someone tested positive and couldn't play in a playoff game or something like that. I, I do think that, the 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 pandemic may impact the competitive balance of the NFL season and who ends up winning that. But I I, I think ultimately the right team won. I think the Raptors would have won at home. I mean, maybe. maybe. But I mean, were they going to win an NBA championship? Like, were they going to go through um, all of those teams? Maybe. But but I do I do think though, I do think though that. This may not stick out as much as we think it is now, because quite frankly, I think next year, maybe the year after that, are going to be a little bubblicious. Like a, the whole league may not be in a bubble, but I think in January. Okay, sure, maybe, but even still, how long before you're having full arenas? How long before everyone? It has that vaccine. I, I'm just saying, be prepared for your NBA season to be a little bit weird for a little. Sure. Bit. I just, I don't think we're we'll going back to, to March 10th next season. And I don't, I'm not certain we're not, we're going back to that reality even the year after that. Like we, we for next year to happen, we could have a couple bubbles, like rolling bubbles, where you I go into. So. A, you you think we're we're going back to everyone's just playing in their in their city? Yeah. Even though, even though the border is not open. Yeah, I think the Raptors might have to do a Blue Jays thing, depending on where we're at, where they don't play at home, but they have their own home, that they actually end up being the, like, also play in Miami team or the also play in the Florida, like the, but, the Disney But where we're, where we're at right now yeah. is that this thing is running rampant the same way, if not worse, yeah. than when we shut the thing down. Yeah, but so, there's so, more optimism about when we're going to be able to have. Anyway, the, this is getting too political probably, but I think that we'll never see another basketball game without fans, that that's done. Like that fans will be there. Like, you know, the Miami Dolphins are already seating a full stadium and that we're getting closer to that, that there's real optimism. And this is reported by the New York Times. This isn't me just like, uh, like caca off the top of my head. It's like they're their people believe that vaccines could be ready as early as December and that it's looking like more and more optimistic that it could be January and that you could end up having enough vaccinations for people in North America by June. What ends up happening there? Uh, like, you know, it's a hard prediction to make, but I, I genuinely do not believe that these businesses will ever operate again in a way the players will ever operate in a way that involves a bubble and that they just, they won't take the financial hits that these places, it might not be the safest thing. I'm not saying that this is the best idea, that this is the thing that I'm advocating for. I just do not believe that you will ever see uh, sports beyond this NFL season where there are no fans in the crowds. Like it's already coming to a halt where that stuff's happening in like the most of uh, left wing of States like Seattle. There's talk of fans getting into the building now, California, like all of those things, like that's already getting progress to that, to that area. So no, I don't think there will be any more bubbles. I, I, I do think this was it. This was a one-off. It was special. And it was incredible that everyone came together and got it done in the face of so, so very much adversity. Uh, I think it was important to show people that there were ways to live through this. I think that people still found purpose. People got paid. All that stuff matters. We saw the power of sport in the way that it can invoke social change and the discussions that we have. I really do believe that 
without the NBA players speaking out the way they did and having the boycott that we don't have the same conversations about policing and black lives matter in the same way that it doesn't have the same scope, the same reach without the NBA being involved the way that they were like, it was important, but I, I, I do not think that we will see bubble anymore. I think that's done. That's just my prediction from a guy who also predicted the bubble happening in sports, you know, happening in, in August the way that I did. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you think the NBA season's going to start in March, maybe, but no, I think it'll start in January. Well, that's two and a half months from now. So yeah. if, if you think that our world uh, is going to be that much different two and a half months from now. I do. Um, okay. Well, well, it's already only changing. Time. Like we're already only seeing time evidence. It's already changing. People were told to not see their family on Thanksgiving. Like it, yep. if they want to have a chance to see their family in Christmas. And you're saying that like a week and a half after Christmas, we're going to have people in stadiums. Yeah, it's called the hammer and the dance. And we dance for a little while and then the hammer comes back and then surges cases come back up and then you dance back and goes good numbers go down again. And yeah, I do. I don't think that we'll see pro sports in this country in January. I'm not going to book that in. I think that the NHL will probably have regional bubbles to start in the same way, like where because of the border, they're going to maybe have a Canadian division that plays each other more. And I, I don't know how they're going to work that out. It's more complicated for their leagues than the NBA and Major League Baseball. But I think that Major League Baseball showed the template to the NBA that that's the way they're going to do it. And maybe there's a bubble for a finals or the playoffs again if they need to do that if it's worst case scenario where the pandemic really isn't gone a year from now. But to me, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to believe I'm going to have hope and I, I'm going to believe that things are going to get back to normal a lot faster than we all thought. I, I really do. I have optimism. Um, anything else? Did we miss anything? No, we didn't miss anything. Okay. Well, man, it was fun NBA season. Like I'm just really glad that we got it. Like I'm really happy that we got basketball and there was this whole discussion about priorities and do we need sports? And it's like, yeah, we did. We, didn't, we needed sports. A lot of people needed them. They were a great distraction. And then at times they weren't a distraction. They made us focus on things a little bit more clearly. And so uh, I think it was a huge win for the NBA. I appreciate everyone who listened to us. I hope that we served as an escape at times, like during these playoffs. I hope that you look forward to these podcasts. I know I look forward to doing them every year. Um, and I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say. Subscribe, <laughs> review. Uh, follow this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been a great season. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.